But tonight I want to preach to you on the topic, but for the blood. And with this simple thought, what does the blood mean in the life of the believer? Now, I did not say what does it mean in the life of the lost, but what does it mean in the life of the believer? I'd like to say that the blood is just as real and just as effective in the life of the believer as it is in the life of the sinner on the day he comes to know Christ. And I believe many times we have an ill understanding of what the blood means and does in our lives. First John chapter number 1, and I'm going to get this coat off if I don't. About halfway through the sermon, I'll start feeling it. Amen. Uh, let's look together at verse number 5 of First John chapter number 1. The Bible says, This then is the message which we have heard of Him, and declare unto you that God is light, and in Him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with Him, and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. That's the great measure of the believer's communion whether we're walking with the Lord. If we're walking with the Lord, we're walking in light. If we're walking in darkness, we're not walking with the Lord. But if we walk in the light, as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanseth us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make Him a liar and His Word is not in us. Would you pray with me this evening? Father, bless Your Word tonight. Lord, bless it for Your own glory and not for ours. God, I pray each believer would be edified and exhorted and encouraged to walk closer with You. Help us, Lord, ere we leave this place to have a greater understanding of what the blood means in our lives. And I pray if there's one amongst us that's lost, that tonight they'd see the blood. And Lord, that they'd plunge neath its conquering power. Father, we love and thank You for what You've done already. And Lord... We know according to Your faithfulness and Your promises, there are so many more greater days ahead of us. But Lord, suffice it now as we give You glory to just thank You for what You've already done in our lives. Father, bless everything that will take place in Christ's precious and holy name. We pray and ask these things. Amen. Very familiar passage of Scripture, 1 John chapter number 1. It's a passage of Scripture that I've needed a lot in my life. I don't know if you've needed it in your life. John states some uh, incontrovertible doctrinal truths here. He makes some statements that are hard for the natural man to accept, but are plain for the spiritual man to see. He tells us that, verse 10, if we say that we have not sinned, you say, preacher, who says that? There's a lot of denominations that say that today. There's a lot of groups that say that today that claim that their salvation is based on their own ability and claim that they are sinless or can attain to sinless perfection. And you might say, oh, preacher, John is talking about the lost when he says that. No, he says if we 
say that we have not sinned. Boy, don't you like the fact that the Bible's correct in every single element? And that the Bible is specific and deliberate in what it says. John did not say, if ye say that ye have not sinned. John said, if we say that we have not sinned. Do you believe John was a saved man tonight? I do. John is saying, if we as believers claim that there is no stain of sin upon our conversation and actions, if we claim that we never do anything wrong, he said, we make God a liar. To do that, we have to go directly against His Word and the teaching of it. And the Bible goes so far as to say, now this is going to upset some people, maybe not in here, but it would upset uh, people outside these walls. If not some in here, the Bible says His Word is not in us. What do you reckon that means? I'll tell you what I believe that means. I believe that if a man feels that his salvation is based upon his own ability, he's not putting his faith wholly in the grace of God and the work on Calvary. I believe it means that His Word is not in them. I believe it means they don't know Christ. The Bible says that if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. In other words, we can say that we don't ever sin, but we'll have to lie to do it. Each and every believer, even though they've been born again by the grace of God and the spiritual man has been awakened within them still, the Adamite flesh dwells in their body and still they must contend with the fleshly nature. You say, well, no, you can get to a point where, no, you're going to have to look pretty far down your nose at the Apostle Paul because uh, he claimed in the book of Romans that that which he would do, that he does not do. He said, what I would, that do I not, and what I would not, that do I. He said, the things that I know are right to do, those things I don't do sometimes. And the things that I know that are wrong to do, those are the very things that I do sometimes. You ever felt like that? I know I have. The Apostle Paul reveals to us that sin is going to occur in the life of the believer. What function does the blood have concerning sin in the life of a sinner? Well, I, I want to proclaim to you, and boy, I'm thankful to say that it washes it white as snow. And I'm thankful that God can forgive and save the chiefest of sinners, as Paul called himself. I'm glad no matter how low a man is, God can lift him up. I'm glad no matter how high and mighty a man is, God can bring him low. And I'm glad no matter how filthy a man is, God can wash him white as snow. I'm thankful for the blood of Christ and that it can save the sinner. What about for the believer? I like 1 John 1, 9. Boy, I've used it a lot. The Bible says, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Look earlier in the chapter at verse number 7. The Bible says, But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ His Son cleanseth us from all sin. Now, John is not talking about the unbeliever here, but talking about the believer. And he says that when we sin, when we do wickedly, when we do wrong, the blood of Christ is still effectual to wash it from the everyday life and purge our conscience of these things by the blood of of Christ and the grace of God. I thank the Lord that the blood is able to cleanse. The truth of the matter is, you, just like me, have need of cleansing in your life. You say, preacher, I was cleansed at Calvary. And yes, I know that you were. And uh, if that's the case, why don't you live like it all the time? Amen? Why don't I live like it all the time? 
The truth of the matter is, you study the great doctrines of the Word of God concerning the salvation of the believer, and you'll find that there's always two aspects concerning them. There's a positional aspect of every facet of salvation in the life of the believer. You say, preacher, what do you mean? Positionally, I am sanctified in Jesus Christ. What does sanctification mean? Well, the word can have several connotations, but in a very plain and explicit way, it means to set apart, to be something set aside. It also denotes the idea of cleansing and washing. And I'm thankful that according to the grace of God and by the grace of God, positionally when God sees me, He sees the blood, He sees Calvary, He sees a justified sinner that's been saved by grace. I'd be the first to admit to you that this old sanctified sinner sometimes acts more like a sinner than a sanctified. (laughs) Positionally, that's what I am in Christ. Practically, I don't always measure up. And on and on we can go. The Bible says, therefore, being justified by His blood, uh, the Bible says we should be saved from wrath through Him. Justification. What does justification mean? There's been a lot of misnomers about justification. I hear people say all the time that justified means just as if I'd never sinned. And uh, I, I've, I've never cared for that definition. I know it's cute. I know it all you know, goes together. And I understand why people use it. But justification does something greater than innocence ever could have. You see, Adam had innocence in the garden. Adam had a relationship with God similar to that of creator and creature. And I know that Adam knew God. I understand he walked with God. I understand he walked with God in the way that no uh, cow or horse or mule ever has. But what I'm saying is merely this. Adam did not know anything really of what the grace of God was when he was in innocence. He had no need. He was created. God could have created him and cast him into hell immediately if he had chosen to do so. So there was grace effectual in his life. But Adam was not very aware of it. You see, let me tell you what just as if I'd never sinned would have done. It would have put us back in the garden. But can I tell you tonight that there's something greater than the Garden of Eden that lays waiting for the believer? The Bible says we are seated together with Him in heavenly places. You see, positionally, it's not just as if I'd never sinned. It's just as if I'd always been a child of God. (laughs) It's uh, taken me out of the miry clay. It's taken me from being a child of hell and made me to in His image shine. It's made me something greater than what Adam was. But now, practically, I'd have to be the first to admit to you that in my life, I don't always live like I'm shining in His image. Positionally, I've been justified, and I'm thankful for it. But practically, I don't always live that way. You say, preacher, what are you driving at? I'm driving at this. Though we have been washed in the blood of Christ, we stand justified and perfect and sanctified and spotless and white as the snow before our Heavenly Father. In our practical everyday lives, we still sin. We still do wrong. You ever wonder what the principle Christ was teaching the disciples was when He had them in the upper room and He took the towel and He girded about His waist and He knelt down and He began to wash their feet. And He made this statement. He said, Ye are clean, but not all. Now, there was two understandings of that. One of them was this. Judas was still in the room. Judas was a lost man. Judas never did get saved according to what the Scripture tells us. There was another understanding of it as well. Christ made this statement. He said, What I do now, ye know not. I'm not a smart cookie, you know. i got a big old head, but it's mostly hollow. Amen? But I kind of believe that the disciples understood that He was putting a towel on and washing their feet. 
So if Christ says what I'm doing right now, you don't understand, then there must be something deeper than just putting a towel on and washing their feet. There must be a greater understanding. The understanding is twofold, that we are to serve one another. The Bible says, whosoever shall be last shall be first, and whosoever shall be first shall be last. But there's another understanding. Those disciples would go down to the riverside and they would bathe themselves. But whenever they got up out of the water, they'd put their sandals back on. If you've ever walked around in sandals, you know that they're not very good for keeping your feet clean. And so whenever they would come back to a household and they would sit down, the basin would have to be brought out and they would have to wash their feet because though the majority of them was washed clean, though from their head downward had been washed, from walking around in the muck of this world, their feet had gotten dirty. Christ was giving us a principle which is this. Though we are justified and sanctified by the grace of God, still we must come to Calvary for a daily cleansing. Not that we might be saved, but that we might have communion with God. The Bible says that if we uh, abide in Him and He abides in us, if, if, there's times I don't abide in Him. What do I do then? There's times that I sin. What do I do then? The Bible says... The blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanseth us from all sin. So I want to say first off in the life of the believer that the blood is good for cleansing. And that comforts me. I want to give you one thought and I'm going to move on. Because of this, you ever messed up so many times that you despaired to go to the throne room of grace and ask forgiveness again? I don't know about you, but I've been there before. It seems to me like in my life, uh, you know, not to say that there's not a variation of sins that occur in my life, But in my experience, for most believers, it's not a whole myriad of sins, but a handful that we struggle with, struggle with, and struggle with. And there's things in my life that I've been at the throne of grace over so many times and begging God to give me victory and claiming by the blood of Christ forgiveness. And I'm going to be honest with you, there's times... When the devil comes and whispers in my mind and my flesh creeps up beside and seconds the motion and says, you know, he ain't going to forgive you. You've just messed up one too many times. But then I remember that the reason God forgives me is not because I mean my promises. God does not forgive me because I'm worth forgiving. God does not forgive me because he just needs me. So bad. God does not forgive me because people are depending on me. God does not forgive me because I'm a preacher or a pastor. God forgives me by the blood and by the blood alone. That's the only reason that God in heaven forgives my sins. It's by the blood that we're forgiven. And it's good for cleansing. I want to give you a second thing. Turn with me to Revelation chapter number 12. Revelation chapter number 12. And I want to read an interesting passage to you that I don't believe gets enough attention. Uh, Revelation chapter number 12. Not only is the blood good for cleansing, but I'd like to say it's good for conquering as well. I like that. Look at verse number 10. The Bible says, And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now is come salvation and strength and the kingdom of God and the power of His Christ. Now notice this. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God, Day and you know I know that the devil's going to be cast into the lake of fire, but I've always liked to think if he had a, a tombstone, this is what it'd read. Amen. Read it with me again. If he had a tombstone, I I like to believe that it would say, and I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, now has come salvation 
and strengthen the kingdom of our God and the power of His Christ for the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. Now notice this next phrase, and they overcame Him. How? By the blood of the Lamb. By the word of their testimony. And they loved not their lives unto the death. Can I say that the blood is not only good in the life of the believer for cleansing when we've sinned, but it's good for conquering Satan. You know, the truth of the matter is, uh, we give the devil too much power in our lives. Most of us do. He has no authority over our lives. He's not our daddy anymore. We've been born again, not uh, of uh, the will of the flesh or the will of man, uh, but we've been born again by the Spirit of God, by the Word of God, by incorruptible seed. He's not our daddy anymore. We've got a new heavenly Father. But still yet, we give Him our ears sometimes. And you say, what do you mean uh, that we overcome Him? Well, notice the context of the passage. What does the Bible call Him? The accuser of our brethren. The accuser of our brethren. I know that the devil is accusing us to God on a daily basis. But can I say also that I believe that sometimes the devil accuses God to us and sometimes he accuses us to us. Now, it may not actually be the devil. I do not believe that uh, uh, every single devil is Satan. I do believe that Satan is a particular uh, devil, and he's known as the devil. Uh, but the Bible does not use the word demons anywhere. The Bible uses the word devils. I do believe there's multitudes of devils, and I do not believe that the devil or Satan is omnipresent. I do not believe that, believing only be in one place at one time. So when I say the devil, I don't necessarily mean the devil in particular, but I mean the power and influences of Satan and uh, the work of the flesh as well, because it works in league with him, you know. And there's times in my life where it seems like I lay down at night and the devil comes and slides up beside me and he says, you know, you're never going to be able to pastor that church. You're not able. He slides up beside me and he says, you know those promises that you made to God? You're never going to be able to keep those. He slides up beside me and he says to me, you know, your family that's depending on you, you're going to fail them. He slides up beside me and says, you know, your loved ones that need Christ, you're never going to win them. And if it was up to me, I'd probably believe him. He comes up beside me and he says, you know, you're worthless. comes up beside me and he says, you know, you're weak. He comes up beside me and says, you know, you deserve to be in hell. And the only thing I can say is you're right. <laughs> you're right on all accounts. But there's one thing the devil never talks about. He never likes to talk about the blood. <laughs> because the blood makes all of those other things of none effect. How do we overcome him? When the devil comes along and tries to discourage you and he says, you know, you're worthless. You just tell him I'm worth something to somebody. <laughs> I'm worth something to somebody. I may not be worth anything to you, you old devil, but I'm worth something to somebody enough to send his son to die on a cross for me. I'm worth something to somebody. And he comes along, he says, you're weak. And you say, you know, you're right. But the Bible says, God told Paul that my strength is made perfect in weakness. And when I have infirmities, I'm to glory in those infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. You see, you know what the blood does? The blood takes every bit of the devil's power away. 
Because there's not a thing that He can tell you if you're washed in the blood that can conquer you as long as you keep in mind what the blood means in your life. The truth of the matter is there's nothing the devil can do to you except God has first permitted it. We see that in the life of Job. The Bible says very clearly in the book of James, Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God that He may exalt you in due time. That tells me something. If I'm under the mighty hand of God, anything that's going to get to me is going to have to slip through God's hands first. He's going to have to let it come to my life. And just as in the life of Job, when the devil wanted to persecute Job, you know what he had to do first? He had to show up at God's doorstep and ask permission. There's nothing that takes place in your life and mine that providence has not first tempered with the goodwill of God and His graciousness and love towards us. By the blood of Christ, we have victory over Satan, over his accusations, over his temptations, because we know the Bible says, you know, everybody says all the time, Lord's never going to put anything on you that you can't handle. That's a lie straight out of hell. Paul said we were pressed out of measure, above strength. He said we despaired of life. You know what that verse does say? The Bible does say that God will not suffer you to be tempted above that which you are able. The truth of the matter is, it's not to say you won't have hardships on you that are too much for you to bear. You will. You know why God does that? The Bible says, and Paul said, that we found in ourselves a sentence of death. Why? That we might put our faith in God who raiseth from the dead. So you're going to have things in your life you can't handle. But never will you be put in a temptation, in a situation where you cannot do the right thing. We, by the blood of Christ, conquer our foe. I want to give you a third and final thing, and I'm going to hush tonight. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter number 10. Hebrews chapter number 10. I'm thankful that the blood and the life of the believer is good for cleansing. And I need it every day. I'm glad that the blood and the life of the believer is good for conquering. And I need it every day. But I want to give you a final thing. Hebrews chapter number 10. The Bible says in verse 19, Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest. Now, how do we do this? By the blood of Jesus by a new and living way which He hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say, His flesh. And having an high priest over the house of God, I want you to underscore this on your margin or in your mind, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure Water. Look at verse 19 again. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus. I want to say that the blood is good in the life of the believer for cleansing and for conquering. But finally, blood in the life of the believer is good for communing. What would make us think we deserved an audience with a king? What would make you and I think that we deserved entrance into the throne room of an almighty God? What would make you and I, dead dogs, children of hell, worthless, rotten, wretched sinners whose attempts at righteousness are but filthy rags, what would make us think that God in heaven would hear our feeble cry? Having therefore, brethren, boldness. How do we have boldness to enter into the holiest? By the blood of Jesus. There's one reason that God hears my prayers. There's one reason that God forgives my sins. There's one reason that I have an audience with the King of kings and Lord of lords. One reason that the Creator of the universe bends His ear to my lowly cry. 
And that's by the blood of Christ. How do I have boldness to commune with God? Why do I not fear His presence? Only because I've been made perfect by Christ's blood. I'm going to be honest with you, folks. There'd be times that if it was left up to me, I'd just scurry out of the throne room like a dog with my tail between my legs because I know my life and I know the wrong that I do. I'm pretty good at hiding all my corralling away from you church people, you know, but God knows about it. He knows everything that takes place in my life. God knows about every lie that I tell on each one of you people. God knows about every every single uh, bit of money that I take from your pockets. God knows about all that, you know. God knows everything about my life. And the flesh would seek to shrink from God's presence. What does God command us to do? The Bible says, draw nigh unto me, and I'll draw nigh unto you, saith the Lord. The Bible says, let us draw near with a full assurance. Let me tell you what God wants. God wants to be close to you. Now, that does more for me than any therapist. That does more for me than any psychologist. That does more for me than any uh, motivational speaker. That does more for me than any guidance counselor. That does more for me, friend, than Dr. Phil, Dr. Oz, and Oprah all rolled together into one hideous monster. Amen? To know that the God of this universe wants to get close to me. He wants me to know Him. God longs to hear my voice. God longs to hear my cares. God longs for me to cry on His everlasting arms. God longs for me to cast myself shipwrecked on the grace of God and His loveliness. That's what God wants. Why would I be deserving of that? There's only one reason. And it's because all those things... You see, it's not that they were always true about me. It's that they were always true between the Father and His Son. You see, everything that God wants in my life is the very same thing that He wanted in His Son's life. The Bible says that our relationship with God is in Christ Jesus. Hey, preacher, what do you mean by that? That means whenever God calls His boys to the supper table, I go with my Jesus. <laughs> That means whenever God takes a roll call of the king's sons, my name's read after my Lord's is. It means that just as my Savior is a son, I am a son, not for my own righteousness or because of it, but because of who He is. Because in Him, I live and breathe and move and have my being. That's why. You'll go home tonight. I hope you ain't going to stay here. You'll go home tonight and you'll have a choice whether to pray or not. Your flesh will tell you that you don't have time for it. Your flesh is a liar. The devil will tell you that God doesn't have patience for it. The Bible says he's a liar from the beginning and he's the father of lies. The reason you can commune with God tonight, I hope you take advantage of that privilege. What a shame to have an audience with the Creator and pour our petitions to mortals. What a shame to have an audience with the Almighty God of heaven and outpour our griefs to our peers and to our common laborers when we have an audience in the throne room of heaven by the Holy Spirit and by our intercessor and high priest, Jesus Christ.
when you go home tonight, the only reason that your prayers will be heard is because of the blood. When you go home tonight, and if you have to ask forgiveness for something, the only reason you'll be forgiven is because of the blood. When you go home tonight, and that old devil comes and whispers in your ears that you're a failure, you just go ahead and second that motion and tell him that he's right. But know that you are who you are by the blood of Christ. People say, well, the blood's good for lost people, but for the believer it doesn't have much effect. I'd contend with that statement. But for the blood, I couldn't live my everyday life. But for the blood, I wouldn't be who I am in Christ Jesus. Not at the point of salvation, nor today. And so I hope tonight you've come to have a greater understanding of what the blood means.